Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Dr. Casey Jo Orvides. We are so excited to have her. She describes herself as one half psychologist, one half fitness coach. We're going to be talking a lot today about mindset, because as you guys know, that's something Brenda and I have been thinking about a lot. So we're so excited to have a real doctor and expert on with us to um, weed us through our bullshit. So hey, Casey, how are you? Hi, I'm super excited to be here and chat all things mindset and bullshit <laughs> either way. <laughs> we need it. We need it. Amazing. We're so excited. Um, so go ahead. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are since it's growing 20s. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I'm 28, so I still fit the bill, at least for the next couple of years. <laughs> and um, yes, yeah, so doctor comes from the PhD. My PhD is in psychology, and during my PhD, I mainly studied a growth versus fixed mindset and how that plays a role in how healthy we eat and how often we exercise. So I have a good bit of expertise and background in health behavior change, but like my main like pride and joy is talking about mindset because that is where I kind of like put my main focus in. But of course, mindset then links out to a lot of different other aspects of health behavior change. So that's kind of like my background. And as you mentioned today, I sort of do describe myself as like half and half health and fitness coach and psychologist, because I get to blend both of those things in my business, which is like a dream to me. So because of that, my business is sort of half and half too. So I do some one-on-one -on -one health and fitness coaching and have some coaches on my team who help me out with that as well. However, mindset is kind of like interwoven into everything that we do. And then on the other side, I coach other coaches on these topics of mindset, behavior change, psychology, so they can better understand the science behind that stuff and then actually utilize it with their clients because unfortunately a lot of that is often left out when it comes to you know our traditional like health and fitness certifications um, so I actually have a certification that allows you to learn some of those things as a coach um, and then of course that is still a little bit health and fitness focused because I'm talking to health and fitness coaches so you can see how it's like okay sure like psychology is over here and health and fitness is over here but then they both sort of have both of each other in them as well so yeah that's kind of where I'm at Cool. It's so cool. It really is because honestly, I have to say, and I'm not going to call out the company, but I worked right after college. I worked for a company uh, with weight loss coaching and I just was like, honestly stunned with the person, like just a random person could come in do like a literally a week long course that had zero to do with anything mindset. Um, and just like coach people when it came to their fitness goals. And it was just I don't know. I could go on and on about it, but I just found more than ever through my own journey and through witnessing other people's journeys that like mindset is everything. And like really being able to understand one, that you're not alone in certain thoughts and being able to actually understand them in order to shift them makes such a difference. And I really feel like I've personally not to dive into it too much, but I've, I yo-yo dieted for like a long time. And the missing piece that I never thought was important was really, really learning to shift my mindset and truly understand so many nutritional components that I just wasn't paying attention to before. So I personally admire your work so much because I think it really allows people to create sustainable change versus having this quick fix or, you know, feeling broken and all that stuff, but we're going to get into it. So um, I'm really excited. 
can you tell us a little bit about how you actually got into this specific line of work? Like anything about your story? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like I tell people this all the time on podcasts where I feel like I just don't have some sort of like story to tell, but then I like, of course, can talk for 20 minutes about like my background. So I have some sort of story, otherwise I wouldn't be able to talk about it. Um, but I definitely never had like, oh, that huge like aha moment or, you know, I was like on my deathbed or something like that. So I got into like strength training and health and fitness or something like that. Um, it kind of stemmed out of just like knowing that I needed to take care of myself leaving high school. So high school, I was, yes, in high school, a partier and <laughs> was not taking care of myself. I did play volleyball year round, but so that was like my main form of exercise. And we had like three hour practices, tournaments on the weekends, things like that. So that kind of kept me in check a little bit. But then I realized very quickly going to college that like, oh, I don't move enough. You know, <laughs> I need to do something about this. Um, and as any female does, I dove directly into cardio for the most part. I was like, we'd do like a six mile run in the morning and then go to the gym in the afternoon and do like quote unquote strength training, which was actually just like circuit training and more cardio with barely any weight and mostly body weight exercises. So it's essentially just doing a ton of cardio. I was also becoming more like body conscious and worried about, you know, gaining the freshman 15 and all of those things. Um, so I also cut back on calories to, to, you know, make room for the 12 shots of tequila that I was going to have that night. Yeah. So it was essentially like bananas, tequila and cardio. And that was not necessarily the best setup to like not actually sustainable. help. No, no. And I was like appalled that, you know, I wasn't making severe progress and I was actually feeling worse, like big surprise. So I actually started to spend more time, like really trying to educate myself on the concepts of nutrition and exercise and like, what would be the best for my body composition goals? Like what's going to make me feel the best? Like, what can I do that I maybe will actually enjoy? Cause to be honest, I hate running. So the fact that I felt like I had to do it sucked. Um, so I fell into like the world of bodybuilding.com and kind of came to love like the different forums and things on there and got to learn strength training a little bit more, experimented with it and fell in love with it almost instantly. It made me feel so much more powerful and confident. It wasn't running. It wasn't cardio. It was amazing. So I fell in love with that, started to learn more about that. And because I was falling in love with it, I just like dove into podcasts and forums and articles and all of these things and really started because I was a psychology student at the University of Minnesota at my undergrad at the time, I really started to think as like a psychologist, like why are more people not doing this? If it makes me feel so good and so powerful, like both like mentally and physically, why why are more people not doing this? Like, why do we have an obesity epidemic on our hands, you know? Um, and as I got to learn more about nutrition and how those things like intertwine and can also make you feel better and all of these things, I really started to lean into that question of like, what is like, why is it so hard for people to do more of this? Like, it's not a knowledge issue, right? Everyone knows they should exercise. Everyone knows they should eat healthy but nobody's doing it. Well, some people are doing it, but not enough people are doing it. Um, so I took that question into graduate school. And at this time, I was not familiar with the science of mindset. Like if you would have told me that there's like a science behind mindset, I'd be like, what are you talking? Do you mean manifestation? Like, what are you yeah. saying? Uh, so I, I came across a lab at North Carolina State University called the Mindset Lab. And there was someone doing work there, a faculty member. She, she was a professor. It was doing research on mindset and she was looking at different aspects of obesity and health behavior change and among other things like relationships and entrepreneurship and all these different facets and mindset was sort of like the core driver for all of these different things so of course I was like just wanting to latch on to like the obesity stuff and the health behavior change stuff and I did kind of end up spearheading mindset of like health and fitness in that lab and honestly some of the research out there because we don't have a ton of like 
mindset research pertaining to health and fitness behavior specifically. So a lot of, I mean, I'm still getting cited all of the time, even though I have not published a paper in years at this point, because there just really isn't a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I kind of fell into it and figured out very quickly how impactful and how important mindset really is from a scientific standpoint. And then also seeing it play out in the real world as I became a nutrition coach during grad school as well. So I was kind of getting to do the whole, do the research in the lab and then see how it plays out in the wild too, in like my one-on-one settings. Um, And I actually, like many personal trainers do too, as a nutrition coach, I started off doing stuff in person. So I worked at a gym and met with people one-on-one, like face-to-face, which was really great for me because I got to really like experiment with different communication strategies and talk about mindset in different ways and see how it really played out in the real world. Cause my goal was always to bring the research to the real world mm-hmm. and not just, you know, always be stuck in academic journals for the rest of my life. Right. Um, so I feel very fortunate that today I do kind of want the most unconventional route for a PhD and I'm not doing research anymore. I'm not in the industry. Um, I'm not in the corporate world and I am like running my own business, but still getting to utilize all of these concepts, all of my skills and expertise and knowledge and blend it all together. <laughs> so cool. I, I love your story and I'm so glad you shared it with us. And it's so funny to me how mindset has kind of gotten this like woo-woo rep like it's it's like hilarious that people like you said yourself you hear mindset and you automatically think like more like spiritual woo woo things manifesting blah 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 instead of like that this is a real like your mind your brain yes science like this is actually science yeah um and I think that people just so so easily just dismiss it as like oh well that's woo woo or that's like not you know scientific or whatever but obviously our, you know, our mindset is our psychology and it is so scientific and so important. So I would love to like dive even like deeper into that starting there. And I know you talk about um, on your Instagram and stuff about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And you mentioned it earlier before. So, and I think those are terms people are starting to get to know, but haven't really like dug into yet. Could you explain a little bit like what those two things are? Yeah, definitely. And you're, you're so right. And I feel like mindset has become increasingly popular at this point too. Like it was not even like when I started my PhD program in 2015, I don't even feel like mindset was like all over the place. Like it is now, like it's hard to scroll through Instagram without running into that word somewhere in some shape or form. Right. But it does get kind of coupled with like woo woo and manifestation and like all of these things when I'm over here, like I did not get a PhD in this stuff to be told that it's just woo-woo, you know? Um, So that really is like one of like my big like main messages is like mindset is a science. And like, that's why I created the certification around it is to kind of like walk people through all of this and like better understand this from like a research perspective. Like we have evidence-based practices to cultivate a growth mindset. It's not just like believe in yourself. Like, yes, that's part of it, but like there's just so much more to it. So yes, growth versus fixed mindset is essentially how we can break down mindset into some, some like more granular levels, I suppose. So at a baseline level, your mindset is essentially defined as like the lens that you take to see the world through. It's what, how you make sense of things. It's how you assign meaning to things, all of that kind of thing. So when we kind of go to the next level, we're looking at growth versus fixed mindset. And that kind of like the baseline definition there is essentially like, do you believe that you can change? So someone with a fixed mindset 
does not believe that they can change. Someone with a growth mindset believes that they can. Of course, we can talk about like the different domains and topics that, that these actually like reside in because you can have a growth mindset in one area and have a fixed mindset somewhere else. And I think that's another big misconception is that if you, you either have a growth mindset or you have a fixed mindset, the end, right? It's just like this overarching, yeah. like I am a growth minded person right. or I'm not. Like an, right? being an optimistic or like a pessimistic person. Totally. Like, yeah, it's not always exactly. one or the other. Exactly. We know that literally from the research that like you could have a growth mindset in the gym, like your ability to get stronger, but then you could have a fixed mindset in your career and not believe that you can like get any better or improve any further or get that promotion or anything like that. So it's definitely not like, of course, probably the more areas you have a growth mindset, the more likely you are to have it in other areas too. And it can kind of like grow and like mold into other areas of your life if you start somewhere for sure. And I've actually feel like that's what I see from strength training and kind of like getting more dedicated to health and fitness is that it does end up showing up in other areas of your life. And that's like the beautiful part of that. Um, but yeah, so that's like at a very baseline level, we're kind of talking about like, do you actually believe that you can change? And I think that that's also just like something for everyone who's listening. Like how often do you actually check in with yourself on that level? You know, like if you're going after some sort of goal, how often do you actually step back and think like, do I actually think I can do this? Like, do I actually see myself like following through and making this happen? And it's interesting too, because this is even like a discussion that I would have with my PhD advisor, like, because a lot of times people will kind of take the perspective of what others can do and not necessarily what they can do. So it's like, oh yeah, I, I believe that people can change their body weight or something like that. Um, but then when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, but I don't think that I'm all other people, you know, I'm different. I'm, I'm special in the fact that I can't do it. You know, there's something wrong with me type of thing. Um, so also thinking about it, like, how do you perceive these things as like, oh yeah, that's something that people can do. But when it comes down to like you actually making it happen? Do you actually believe that you can? Um, and that can be like a first step to kind of determining like what your mindset is at, but there's a lot of different ways to kind of pinpoint your mindset in certain ways. That's so powerful. And honestly, I feel like something Julia and I have talked about a lot on this show specifically is just that there are so many people and, and no judgment. I think there's sometimes we almost forget or aren't taught that like, you don't have to stay stuck. And you also, there's like this whole thing about just, oh, this is just the way I am, you know? And I think so often we can settle in accepting that just because we think we're supposed to, or maybe we're afraid that we can't change or even specifically in terms of like nutrition and fitness. I know so many people and myself, I've been included myself in this in the past beyond before, honestly, just this year where I was like, dang, like I keep failing at this one thing. So it just might, must not be meant for me. You know, it just might, it must not be something that I'm capable of achieving in a healthy, sustainable way. And I feel like there are a lot of people in the fitness world. If there is someone out there listening to this right now, that's like, you know, I failed too many times when it comes to nutrition and fitness or um, maybe believes and is stuck on this, maybe like a set point theory type of thing that they just are the, where they are and they have to accept it. What would you say to them in order to, I guess, instill belief that it is possible for them to change and take that next step? Mm, this is interesting. Um, and everything you said, all of your examples were very indicative of a fixed mindset. And it, and I also want everyone who's listening to think like, oh my God, that's me or crap. Like she's calling me out or like, this is a bad thing. It's not, if we can recognize it, like that's the first step to actually being able to change it. If you don't know it's there, then you can't change it. So like that's, it's still a good thing, you know, to actually be able to pick that out. And so to answer your question, it's interesting because this is a good example of like how I teach coaching practices too, because I can't like say something, I can't make you do something and your mindset change, which is honestly why I have a little bit of an issue 
with the title mindset coach, because to me, it needs to come from within. Like you need to essentially be convincing yourself. It should not be a coach convincing you to change your mindset. You know, it's one thing to like, sure, provide exercises and know how to ask the right questions and have conversations and things like that. But I do not think that the majority of people who are throwing mindset coach in their Instagram bio actually have the capabilities to do that. And so this kind of like idea that I could come to you and just like tell you, the things that you need to hear in order to believe that you can start to change. It's not necessarily how this mindset stuff works, unfortunately. Otherwise, I think we would all be much better off. So with that said, what I would actually say to you is actually ask a question instead of like, tell you something, right? So if someone was like really feeling beat up, feeling like they failed all of these different times, how to start to help them and guide them to a place where they think that maybe they can make some changes or do something different, I would first ask why you feel like you can't. You know, like, where is this coming from? You know, why do you feel like you're not cut out for it? That why do you feel that like those past failures are defining you? You know, like, what is it about those previous previous experiences that make you feel like there are no other experiences to be had that could be successful in the future? So starting to like kind of piece through some of those things and start to make sense of like why you are assigning the meaning that you are, then you can start to kind of like reverse engineer from there and think like, you will start to realize a lot of times that the thoughts that you're having don't even make sense. You know, you're like, why am I even thinking that? Like, where did I even get this from? Or like, this is like silly, like to even say out loud. And a lot of times, like you need to get to that point to realize that before you can be like, okay, essentially so that you're, what I'm realizing here is that I just need a different strategy. I need to be doing things differently. You know, I need to try something else. I need to hire someone. I need to find resources. I need to reach out to something else in order to really keep the ball rolling and just like not do the things I did before. Cause clearly that didn't work for me but just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean that I'm not meant for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. it makes complete sense. And I I just, I was, I don't remember where, where the heck I heard it, but it was something along the lines of like, I guess on the same topic, for people that have had a history with like, maybe chasing fitness goals or whatever, and then ultimately get to a place where they maybe have the same habits, but their, their values around it or their thoughts around what it is that they're doing are totally different. It's just like, I think so often we associate certain feelings with like, oh, you know, I've tried this before and it didn't work and therefore blah, blah, blah. You know, whether it's like something like for you where you mentioned running a a couple of miles a day, like there was a point in time where I would run a couple of miles a day and it was the most like unhealthy time in my life. Whereas now if I do that, I feel so empowered and has a totally Mm. different set of values and intentions behind it. So I think sometimes we can really deeply associate like a connection with certain things where it's not quite about the action itself and more so what it is that we're thinking about those things. So Mm -hmm. what you said about, you know, doing something different, thinking different, um, and not associating that with meaning that whatever it is that you're chasing after means that you can never do it. It just means you might need some different guidance or like accountability or support. Um, and I just hope more and more people do like start to see the power in that because I think it can be so easy to just be like, okay, you know, this isn't for me. And, to kind of just stay where you are and and think that, you know, you can't go further. I think that's where it starts to break my heart is for people that so deeply have a goal or so deeply want to feel a certain way in their skin or about their habits and just genuinely feel like there's nowhere else they can go from there. Like as if they've tried everything. So I think that's why something like your program um, really makes a difference. And Julia and I were actually talking right before we hopped on about like self-sabotage. And I think that one of the things that people um, do feel most broken about comes along with like overeating 
or emotional eating, uncontrolled eating. So would you mind like diving into that a little bit in why you think it shows up? Maybe it's different for everyone. I don't know, but um, that sensation or behavior of like, it's not quite what you want to be doing, but you're doing it anyway and how to kind of navigate that. Mm, yeah. Oh, so much stuff here. <laughs> so you're, you're totally right. And that it's going to be very different depending on the person, you know, self call it self-sabotage, call it lack of self-control, whatever you want to stress eating, emotional eating, whatever, like everyone's going to have different triggers and everyone's going to have different situations that kind of like set these things off or where they can make it not happen. Like every, everyone is, is going to be totally different. So that's for sure. Um, which makes it tough, right? Cause then there is no like, Oh, everyone just do this. Wouldn't that be great if I was just like, yes, I know exactly. <laughs> right. Like the magic answer to solve everybody's problem. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> so <laughs> So with that said, I think the first step, and I've kind of hinted at it a couple of times, even in the things we've talked about so far, is to just become more aware. And I know it sounds like really not sexy and like, like you don't want to put the work in, don't want to put the effort in, that sort of thing. But like, hey, if you're sitting here listening to this and nothing else is working, you haven't tried this, then maybe it's worth it, right? So I always talk about awareness as the first step to literally anything, any sort of behavior change you want to make, any sort of mindset shift you're looking for, you need to be more aware of why it's happening and where it's coming from. So something, especially when it comes to like overeating, whether that's stemming from um, a specific emotion or a situation or a person or anything like that, you need to really kind of create a more objective view over everything. I try to tell people like, try to like remove yourself from the situation, like put your researcher cap on and try to get, like gather some data and try to make some hypotheses and like test some things out and see what you can start to really better understand. So kind of like look at it from that perspective to the best of your ability. I know sometimes that can be difficult, but what you can do though, and anyone who's listening could absolutely like hit, hit pause and do this yourself, but think about an instance where this happened, whether it was like overeating or just like eating more than you anticipated, or you feel like you kind of like blacked out and you're like, I don't even remember eating that entire sleep of Oreos. Like how did that happen type of thing? Those ones, especially you definitely need to spend some time, like cultivating some awareness around because you literally don't have any. Right. So with that, thinking about those situations, you want to like on either side of the situation itself, think about like what was going on and how you were feeling. So typically I like to say, you know, four hours before this event happened. And if this is something that recently happened, it might be easier. Um, or like in the moment you might be able to start to like kind of piece these things together, but four hours beforehand, like how, what were you thinking? How were you feeling? Who were you with? Where were you? What was going on in your life? Same thing for two hours before, same thing for right before this happened. Same thing for during this was happening. Same thing for directly after, two hours after, four hours after, and then maybe like the next day. So you can kind of reflect and get this like broad viewpoint on how you were feeling and like what was going on in your life before, during, and after this event. Not only can this help you better understand like what your triggers are, why this is happening, how you were feeling, but also just we oftentimes, and sometimes health and fitness coaches will do this too, and it can be helpful, but sometimes it's not super helpful, is to just like brush these experiences under the rug and be like, no problem, let's just get back on the horse tomorrow and then pretend like it never happened. But that doesn't give us any room to actually understand what happened and improve and like better understand ourselves. So next time, because there's always going to be a next time, like it's silly to assume like, oh, that was just a one-time thing. Like, 
if it happens again, we want to be better prepared. So we do need to kind of like take some of those uncomfortable steps to like unravel what happened in that situation and get more comfortable. And like we were kind of saying at the beginning, a little bit of acceptance can be okay. Um, of course, we don't want to accept it to the point like, oh, this is just how I am. And this is just what's going to happen to me like once a week when I'm stressed out, but accepting that like it happened and it happens to most people. It's a normal event, but why it happened to you is going to be specific to you. So we need to kind of like pick up on all those kind of like clues and like the evidence and the things that we were feeling and seeing. And again, it's not always gonna be super comfortable, especially if it's stemming from a place of like negative emotions or negative thought processes or not feeling good about yourself types of things. But I, something I say all the time is that discomfort breeds growth. And this is a beautiful example of when that happens. So awareness comes first. And I, at this point, like don't even truly remember what your question was for me, <laughs> but I know I was like all along the lines of self-sabotage <laughs> and trying to dive into that. So awareness really comes first. And then after that, you can start to think like, okay, now that I know what my trigger is, or now I know that like, this is why it's happening to me, or I better understand myself and like my feelings and my emotions that are wrapped up in this situation. Next time I start to feel those things or see those things or get hit by that trigger, I'm going to do something differently to kind of like stop that cycle in its tracks. Um, I know easier said than done, but the more you can do that, the easier it's going to get. And you can literally rewire your brain connections to move towards this new path versus those old kind of like habitual automatic things. Yeah. Wow. It's so crazy how like just taking, and like you said, it's not sexy and it's not necessarily fun and it's definitely not easy, but just taking the time to really and it's what Brendan and I have been learning so much from almost everybody we talk to of like taking the time to like really ask yourself the questions and really observing where you are and being very honest with yourself about that. And it's not easy to do all the time. And not only does like self-sabotage obviously can show up in like fitness practices and obviously eating, overeating, whatever it may be, but also just in like everyday life of like, I've realized now about certain self-sabotaging things that I do to myself because I'm afraid of certain situations and mm, like mm-hmm. how and needing to be stop when those things start to happen and be like okay like what's the real thing going on here like what are you afraid of like is that actually right. something to be scared of but I guess and I, there might not be an answer for it but like I guess what if someone is doing like these constant like self-sabotaging things in, in any area of their life, but they don't know that that's what they're doing. Like, is there a way, mm. are there certain, like, I guess like signals to like be aware of if someone mm-hmm. doesn't know that they're doing it, but wants to be aware? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get where you're coming from. And I think, and I get that. Cause it's kind of like, how do you start to cultivate awareness over something right. that you're not aware of? Yeah. And to some degree, it's like, I would want people to see it as looking into like what you were saying, like noticing yourself, like, oh, like, am I afraid of this? Or like just picking up on like, whether it's negative emotions or negative thought processes or catching yourself, like taking a step back and thinking like, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. Or like, maybe I do want to do that. Like whatever it may be, like any like quick emotion or habitual action or like people, even if you don't aware, you're not super aware of what you're doing in the moment, you still will have those like lingering thoughts or emotions or something like that. Or look into your life and like, think about goals that you might've had for yourself, health, fitness, or otherwise, or just like areas of your life that you've been wanting to work on or things that you've wanted to do. 
if you have not done them yet, then there's a very good chance that you're self-sabotaging your way to get there, right? So instead of, I guess, like, number one, yes, just being on the lookout for negative thought processes and emotions and things like that and thinking, like, did I do this to myself? Like, where is this coming from? Just trying to, like, be more in tune to those things. But then also thinking, like, where are the areas of my life that I don't feel like I'm, like, meeting my own expectations or I'm not, like, moving the needle forward on goals that I've, like, had for myself or things that I've said I wanted to do and am I getting in my own way and then kind of like moving backwards from that way too I think either of those might be a good way to just like just go if you take anything away from this podcast just like go out there and pay more attention to those things and keep a notebook or just like start to learn a little bit more and just open your eyes a little bit more and see what you start to learn yeah so my follow-up question to that is because so important so then let's say let's say you you do you have noticed you realize certain self-sabotaging habits you are doing what you said about the journaling and really breaking it down and starting to understand it once you've had that piece once you do kind of understand it you mentioned something before about like um evidence-based change so like how then do you start to rewire you know, after doing, you know, like the first step of the writing it down and the fig- really figuring it out, how do you start to build the the better habits, the ones on the other side versus the self-sabotaging yeah. ones? Right. Yeah. That's a good question. So it's like, kind of like what, what happens after that? You know, yeah. you've built some awareness, like now what do we do with this? Right. Um, so I think an easy, not, maybe not so easy, but it wasn't a, a simple more question. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like a, a next step could be to now see, this is where it gets hard. Cause it's like, it really kind of depends on the thing that we're talking about, but with that said, like, if it's some sort of like way that you're perceiving things or thinking about things or noticing things, and you're like wanting to get out of sort of the fixed mindset tendencies in those areas. Yeah. 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 Once you, so now that you're aware of those things, once you notice them start to crop up in your life, just like every day, whether it's like when you're receiving feedback from someone, you know, a lot of times someone with a fixed mindset in that area, if they're receiving feedback on will be very dismissive or get very defensive or feel personally attacked or, you know, like just back off and be like, Oh, okay. Well, you obviously don't understand like that. I know what I'm talking about type of thing. (laughs) So maybe in those situations, like catch, you can catch yourself now going like, Oh, I'm noticing myself wanting to get defensive or wanting to like feel like this is about me, not about like the action that I could potentially get better at type of thing. So sure, you may, you may kind of automatically get a little bit defensive, but you could still catch yourself and be like, actually, you know what, like, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about why you think what I did wasn't quite what you were looking for or how you think I could do it better in the future or what might need to be emphasized differently next time. And like, so yeah, you might still, you might get a little bit like, oh man, like I, I really thought that I was like able to do this, do this. And that sucks that you don't see like my capabilities. You know, obviously most people aren't going to be just like assholes like that, but you get what I'm saying. A lot of times that's what runs through our heads, at least, even if we're not saying it out loud. Um, so once you notice yourself in those situations, try to actively move towards growth, you know, see that, that feedback is an opportunity to get better. Or, you know, one that I hear a lot is like people who compare themselves to others, whether it's on social media or in real life or whatever, someone with a fixed mindset in that area, when you're comparing yourself, you're going to feel like, oh, like I, I could never do like what she does. You know, I'm not good enough as she is, you know? And when you notice those things, or you feel like insanely jealous, like take a step back and think like, 
no, like if she was able to do that, then that means I can do that. You know, she's a source of inf in information and inspiration rather than like in a piece of evidence as to why I can't do this. Like, why would I think that? So long story short, the goal would be to really try to in the moment shift your perspective towards growth and like how you can like really find something positive in those situations instead of like letting your imagination run wild to some degree right um but yeah that's that's one way to do it and then just understanding too that like some of these evidence-based practices around cultivating a growth mindset some of it is just like better understanding honestly like the basics of neuroscience um there is a term called neuroplasticity and it's this idea that your brain is constantly changing and creating new connections and like pruning back old kind of connections that you're no longer using anymore for a long time we didn't know that or understand how much the brain continues to develop after like a certain age and now we know for sure that it's constantly changing and developing so understanding that your brain is like constantly doing this depending on how you act and you think and you show up on a day-to-day -day basis there's going to be some resistance because you're still following those old connections but remember at every single time that you shift that perspective a little bit and think about things a little bit differently or do things a little bit differently you are kind of strengthening that new connection and letting that old connection kind of dry up because you're not feeding it anymore um so that would be the goal and we know that that's happening literally from a neuroscientific perspective so understanding that too in it of itself can be helpful for cultivating a growth mindset so keep that in mind too as you like find some resistance be like oh that's okay that's just my old connection trying to pull me back in but i'm not gonna let it happen like let's keep it moving this direction yeah oh my goodness i love the way you worded that because i think so much of the places and where we get stuck, I think comes to the judgment we have on ourselves or the thoughts or stories we have as a result of behaviors. I'll be super like real and vulnerable right now. I struggled with binge eating a, like a couple of years ago now. Um, but after I had kind of gotten past those specific behaviors, when I got back, when I started pursuing weight loss, and then I felt like I was having certain urges to overeat, I started to feel like I'm like, oh shoot, maybe I'm not healed in the way that I thought I was healed. And that brought so much like shame to me, honestly, because I'm like, wait a second. I, at the time, like hated myself. I was so uncomfortable in my skin. I felt so broken and felt like I would never get to a certain place. I genuinely believed I was more quote unquote beautiful at a different size, like all these thoughts we could dive into. But then something that I don't think people talk about as much is just like the aspects of, which we'll dive into hunger in just a second. Um, but like the aspects of like a lot of people get certain urges, whether it has anything to do with food or like to an urge to make a purchase, right. That might not really serve <laughs> your budget, you know, like little right. things like that. So I remember that, like how that, that feeling, I was like, oh gosh, like is something wrong? Am I, am I broken? And am I just like not being consistent? And it's just so interesting that not only when certain aspects of things are normalized, but also talked about when people are vulnerable about it. And then also when we know like certain aspects of our brains are just wired certain ways, like, you know, you're not, you're not crazy or like, I, I remember I used to have this story. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like addicted to sweets or something? Because I'm like, oh, I want chocolate. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure. Like once I started looking into stuff, I'm like, I'm pretty sure like having something like chocolate lights up your brain. <laughs> so nothing's <laughs> wrong with you, you know? Um, and just like making peace and with the, some of those things and really connecting with people like you that are like, well, this is how your brain works. And this mm -hmm. is how you can navigate those things to not like fall into those traps or do something different and build those new neural pathways. I think just makes 
all the difference. So um, with all that, so that I can actually ask you a question, um, you mentioned before that uh, like our imaginations running wild and how do you think is like the best way? And this is like a loaded question and I don't even know if there's an answer, but like we have a tendency to let our imaginations run wild and put a, like such deep meaning to certain behaviors and stuff that we do. How do you believe we can manage our emotional like temperature better <laughs> and not attribute <laughs> like such deep meaning to certain things and just kind of approach them more logically to be able to change them? Yeah, yeah. Trying to find that like kind of almost like clinical, get, like get clinical with it. Like that sort of perspective is something that is difficult. I mean, it's even difficult for me. Like I have had some like tougher times personally over the last year. And it's like, I have to like check myself. Like easy, are you not like the psychologist? Like figure this out, <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, but yeah, like absolutely. It's, it's something that is is difficult, but it's not impossible. And the more, again, the more you practice it, the better and easier it will get. Um, but I do have like something that I can share it comes from cognitive behavioral therapy and it does help with kind of breaking negative thought patterns. And the beauty of CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is you can do some of this stuff like with yourself, like without a therapist, like you don't necessarily need someone to be like asking you questions. Like you can work through some of this stuff yourself. Um, so this is something that I teach in my certification. It's something that I use with my clients. Um, and it's essentially looking at your negative thoughts and trying to like you're we're talking about letting your imagination run wild is a lot of the time what's going on here and I mentioned this before how sometimes when you think about stuff you're like wait a second that doesn't even make sense like how did I get to this you know um so the process through CBT um this is just an aspect of it it's not the whole therapy by any means um can actually help people start to determine those things and work around them and get a little bit more logical with that stuff. So what you start with is essentially like the negative thought that you're having. So let's just say it's, I, I feel like I'm worthless, right? Like it's this negative thought pattern that I keep having. It's like in multiple different areas of my life, I feel like I'm worthless and I'm like not good enough. So taking that thought and then thinking like, okay, what evidence do you have for this thought? because you must have some evidence, right? Otherwise you wouldn't be thinking it. So this is where a little bit of acceptance comes in. So the evidence for you might be like, well, I didn't get the promotion that I thought I was going to. I still haven't lost that last five pounds that I've been working on. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm never good enough for anything. I'm worthless, like whatever. So that's the evidence that I have for this thought, right? Is essentially that I haven't been able to like hit some of these goals that I'm looking for. And then the next step would be to look like, okay, well, what is the evidence against this thought of I'm worthless, I'm not good enough. And a lot of times that list ends up being much longer <laughs> because when you think about it, it's like, well, I still have, you know, this great family or I have all of these friends and I do have like the career that I really enjoy and that I love, even though I didn't get that promotion. And I have lost, you know, 25 pounds, even though I can't lose that last five and I feel so much better and I have had so much more energy and I'm able to show up for the people that I love and all of these things. It's like, okay, clearly like maybe you're not as worthless as you were really thinking once you like lay out this list of like evidence for and evidence against. And now that you have both of those lists, whether it's in your head or written down or whatever, taking all of that together to start to create a more accurate depiction of that original thought. So it might not be okay, so I'm worthless. I, I'm not capable of these things. In reality, it might be more like 
not reaching my goals sometimes makes me feel worthless, but I'm not necessarily worthless as a person. So if I want to feel a little bit better, I'm just going to have to continue to work at my goals and see if there's different ways I can do things. And eventually I'll get there, but it just might take some different strategies, more time and more effort. And I'm willing to do that, but I'm not worthless. You know, those situations made me feel worthless maybe in the moment, but that doesn't really characterize me. So more accurate depiction, better depiction, and then starting to think to yourself, like, how do you feel thinking through that? Like, how does it truly make you feel different versus that original thought process? To be honest, like me, even just like working through this example, like I feel better. <laughs> so yeah, even it just, ah. it feels so much better. And you think about it, you're like, it makes so much more sense too. And like when things make more sense, then that makes us feel more confident in feeling that way too. Yeah. So kind of working through that. And it is it's nice because in and of itself, it's a little bit more like logically laid out instead of like just letting these thoughts kind of like stew and turn into like other gremlin thoughts that like don't, don't even make sense anymore. In there. Exactly. Exactly. So just like taking a second, whether you could use this as a journal prompt, you could like go for a walk and work through it in your head. Doesn't need to be like anything like super crazy. Um, but just start to notice like what can that come what can come up for you and see if you can start to break through some of those negative thought patterns. Oh my goodness. That's so helpful. Genuinely. And I agree. I feel like we both were like, Ooh, like what, what a good way to look at that and process. Cause I think so often we really attribute so many things. I know I for sure do this is like, I attribute certain things, especially when I value them a lot that if I don't, I don't know, let's say honor my word in a specific area of life. I'm like, Oh, this says something greater or deeper about me as a person mm. where I think I was really working through a couple couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago was I was like, I'm not the type of person that honors my word. And I'm like, wait, what? And then I literally <laughs> had to sit down and I wrote down all these things. And like, honors her word. I, I did. <laughs> she <laughs> does. So silly out loud. But when it came to certain things where maybe I felt like I had evidence that I wasn't consistent, let's say with fitness and nutrition or specifically like sticking to a specific nutrition plan or something like that. I did. I let that one area of my life depict that like overall somehow I'm, I'm not this, you know, honorable person, reliable person. I'm like, what am I talking about? Like I keep so many of the promises I make to myself. So it's funny how we can really attribute such deeper meaning and let it, and just like run with it when we don't have to. So, (laughs) um, one thing that I really wanted to ask you about, and I know we're running out of time. So I just want to ask, uh, quickly is you mentioned before about discomfort breeding growth. And I think that's something that a lot of people, have some discomfort navigating. And I think it's kind of a tricky topic um, with the food freedom space and stuff like that. It's a little bit nuanced um, is the idea of hunger. Um, And, you know, we, of course we value the morals and stuff between having the freedom to choose what it is that you want and all that stuff. But for people that are pursuing um, specific goals, right. In a sustainable way, like what is the difference between you know, being in a calorie deficit of some sorts, I think to an extent you can expect hunger at some point. And how would, how do people like navigate that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I guess if, for people that might feel guilty, oh. if they do feel it. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Oh man, this could be a whole podcast itself. <laughs> I know, but I, we were talking about it beforehand, but Brenda was like, I really just want to ask her this I question. Do, do. Oh, it's, it's so important though. And it's so tough. Like even like in the social media space, right? Like it becomes like, especially 
because I feel like with creators and coaches and stuff like that, you kind of get told all the time you need to like niche down and like have a specific message and like be polarizing in your messages. So then we end up with like some people who are like, never diet. Like dieting is the worst thing in the world, like super anti-diet. And then we have people on the other side of the spectrum where like, you have to track all of your food all of the time down to the gram. If you want to be like serious and dedicated and like go hard type of thing. And it's like, it gets so confusing for people. And it's also tough to then be the person who's like, we can find somewhere in the middle because the middle again is not as sexy as like, oh, I'm the anti-diet person or like, oh, I'm the like go hard, like do everything type of person, like dedication or like die <laughs> type of thing. Like that stuff is like, that like brings certain people to you and you create like a cult-like community versus like living in the middle of like, hey, you can diet if you want to, you don't have to. You know, if you do decide to diet, like make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it because you hate yourself and like really pay attention to what that is. Yes, you can dive into a caloric deficit. Know that calorie deficit literally means you're not giving yourself enough calories to keep up with. So you're burning the excess like body fat that you may have instead of that. And in doing so, your body's gonna go, hey, I don't wanna do this. I want you to feed me. And that's gonna look like hunger. So understanding like, and I hate to be like, this is where it does get so nuanced because I could sit here and say like, reframe the hunger as a good thing as that your diet is working and that you're burning fat type of thing and like understand it that way then someone else might hear that and internalize it in almost like an, a disordered eating fashion right and see it as like oh hunger is good because then you can absolutely talk to someone who battled anorexia for 10 years and go I, I loved the feeling of hunger you know and I and I hate that there's that kind of like intertwined like nuanced message but if you are truly in a healthy place, like you're happy with what your body looks like in different stages and you're interested, you know, in trying to go through a diet phase for a short period of time, then you can honor like feeling hungry and allowing your body to like, just like to know that that's like part of the process, you know, it's temporary part of the process, but it is going to happen. And with that said, you know, there's eat a big bowl of vegetables or have like all the volume foods, drink some extra water and you'll, you, that hunger might go away anyway. Um, so that's, I mean, that's me putting my nutrition coach cap on for a second, like the different like tools there, make sure you're hitting your fiber, things like that. Um, but it definitely is difficult because it becomes like, okay. And then we could take this, the whole like societal route way of like, there are people who are starving and are hungry and like to say like, oh, it's a good thing to be hungry. Sounds so privileged at the same time. So it is such like a nuanced discussion, but I am absolutely like of the headspace that as far as like dieting goes in general, like, I don't think we necessarily should be telling people like, you can't do this. You should do that. You know, this is wrong, whatever. Um, of course we have all of that kind of, um, those messages out there about like diets don't work and all of these things. And of course, yes, there are statistics. There's real statistics out there. It's like something like 90% of diets, like people gain the weight back and then some within a year. But then we also know that those people who are dieting are following super restrictive things or following fad diets and things that aren't sustainable and are not flexible to their lifestyles and, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox here. I feel like I took this in a few different directions, but it is really tough. And I, I totally get that. And it can be tough for people listening and like understanding like all of these different messages that are floating around out there, but just know that ultimately like do what feels right to you and figuring out like what that looks like for you, because that's why we have so many messages is because it's different depending on the person.
Totally. And I really appreciate you diving into that because it's, it is so nuanced and honestly coming from the space that I was, you know, that my head was in before, like the idea of not like quote unquote honoring your hunger for me felt really backwards. And I felt very Mm. guilty about it, but it was honestly getting to me at least to the point where I was, you know, thinking I was honoring my hunger when really I was just bored or, you know, maybe it was emotional (laughs) or, you know, like stuff like that. So it was really interesting to learn about. And also something that really helped me um, through this phase, because honestly, to be real, it's it's still something I'm navigating because I still have the story in my head that like feeling any sort of hunger is not right, but um, not all the time. But anyways, one of the things that really helped me is there was a point when I was on every end of the spectrum when it came to overeating or restricting, like I kind of, at least I think, kind of lost like full... Um, like recognition of my hunger cues to an extent. So Mm. now that I'm like in a more consistent space, um, just because my body's probably like, hello, what's going on? Um, But now that I'm in a more consistent space, I'm genuinely like, wow, I'm so grateful that my body like, you know, works and is telling me like, hey girl, this is, this is, so it's been an interesting shift um, to look at it more that way and know that it's also not you. I think especially the key is there's such a difference between being on your own and like assuming and maybe feeling hungry and you might be actually like chronically underfeeding your body. Whereas I think the difference when you're working with a coach who not just only is looking to get you to a specific goal, but is literally taking all of your biofeedback into mm-hmm. is focusing on your sleep is focusing on how, on, you know, your stress levels, all these different things. If you're working with a coach that actually has your best interest in mind, they're not going to give you something that's like not okay for your body, you know? Right, right. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. And for anyone listening, whether it's Casey, whether it's, um, you know, a coach that is that really is reliable, and I'm sure she would be happy to connect with you guys on that, you know, they're not going to put you in a situation that is going to jeopardize your overall well-being. So just being smart about those things, because I think they're, like you said, it's nuanced. So yeah, absolutely. And like something on that note too, before we wrap up, it's, when I think about it too, in like my own coaching practices and things like that, like for sure, we talk about like, yeah, you, you'll probably be hungry at some point, but as you go through a diet phase, you, you should be hungry right off the bat. Number one, like it should be something that kind of like, oh, it cre- creeps in slowly. Like we're on like week six or something. It's like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit hungrier than I was before. Um, but even then I don't number, like the number one thing I do is not dive into like, oh, well, you should feel hungry, like suck it up. Like that's part of it. You know, it's like, okay, let's look at how much fiber you're eating. Could we maybe get a little bit more of that in there? Cause that'll make you feel a little bit more full. Let's look at your meal timing. Like maybe you are like spreading your meals out too far and you're allowing yourself to get too hungry. Let's look at like what types of like carb sources you're having. For instance, like you could have the same amount of calories. And here I go with nutrition coach cap again. Um, you could have the same amount of calories coming from like cream of rice versus oatmeal. And you, you can eat the bowl of cream of rice and feel hungry almost instantly afterwards, but have the oatmeal and feel like fine for hours because they're, we're looking at simple versus complex carbs. So things like that could come into play. Or I could say, let's look at your water intake. Let's bump it from hundred to 130 and see if that helps with your hunger. So there's like a lot of different avenues that I usually take it before I have that discussion of like, this is it. This is what you get. You, you signed up for this type of thing. So yeah. there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it first. And then also like having that conversation of like calorie deficits are going to 
come at some sort of cost at some point, whether that's hunger or you're a little bit more tired than usual, or you're not feeling yourself as much in the gym, things like that. Again, I think a lot of times people enter into a diet and they're like day one, like, oh my God, I'm starving. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> that's not possible. So um, just kind of like trying to manage your mindset around that stuff too, because what you expect to come from the diet is probably what you're going to get. Yeah. So interesting. And just to circle it all the way back, like you just said, like it's so much of it is managing that mindset. And what we talked about earlier about the self-tabotaging and asking yourself the questions and being really honest with yourself and what is honest and right for one person might be honest and right for that's different for somebody else. So like, I love that it all does really go hand in hand and, you know, just being able to do the unsexy gritty work of getting real with ourselves and sitting with ourselves through those uncomfortable things and asking ourselves the questions and really asking like, am I really feeling this way? Or like, why am I really feeling this way? And, you know, getting to be really honest with ourselves. It's not an easy job. We all, we, we, we mentioned it a couple of times through this whole podcast. Like we all wish we had an easy fix for any of the problems in our life, whether it's, you know, wanting to reach a fitness goal or a weight goal or any other career life goal. Like we, it would be so lovely to all have that, <laughs> that easy fix, but sometimes we just have to get real and honest with ourselves and I'm so glad that we talked about all the little mindset hacks to do that. And Casey, this has been so incredible. We kind of bounced all over, but we're so (laughs) grateful that you just went with us on it. Um, But before we let you go, we just have two little last questions to ask you. Um, Since you are getting near the end of your 20s now, has there been any resource in your life that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far? It could be a book, a person, podcast, anything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a big question. I really do feel like it's, I love that you guys have this sort of like platform to speak to like 20 somethings because looking back as granted, I'm not, I'm not done yet. So who knows what's gonna happen in the next two years, but looking back like the twenties, I mean, for sure, most transformative years of my life. Like absolutely. Um, granted, like I'm, I only have like, so I have so much more to go still. And so I'm not speaking like, Oh, as your wise elder at age 60 here. Um, but I, I really like think about it. I'm like, wow, I've done so much since age 20, even to 28, you know, like so many different things and different like perspective shifts and relationships and things like that. Um, yeah, wild. But what I will say, oh, I think, I feel like I have to recommend this book <laughs> because I feel like it will, regardless, like I obviously, I read it in my twenties for sure. I've actually read it two or three times now. Um, but it is the book that I have. I have a small group program and it's the book that we use in our book club. And every single time people are like, I'm so glad we read this book. Like this is, this really like made a huge difference for me. And it's called Mindset. <laughs> big surprise, by uh, Dr. Carol Dweck. So you guys might've even heard of the book before or read it yourself, um, but it is also like a New York Times bestseller. Uh, Carol actually works kind of in tandem with my PhD advisor. So I like to call her sort of like my academic grandmother. So a lot of like what she speaks to and teaches on in her research is very much so parallel with like my training and my research. Um, And the book is just like fantastic. Like I said, it's not like a textbook. It's a New York Times bestseller. Um, So yeah, definitely something to look. If you're interested in kind of diving into this stuff more, I would say that's a great place to start. Cool. Incredible. No, that's awesome. We literally love recommendations. I feel like we get all of the best book recommendations. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) We do. Our lists are long. We're long. Um, We're going to get to them. 
We're gonna we will <laughs> we will at some point. Um, but genuinely, this has been so special. Obviously, I'm particularly so invested in this, in this topic, um, and I just know it's gonna help so many people. So, for anyone that does want to either connect with you, maybe work with you, get to know more about your stuff and what you have to offer, where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. So as far as social media goes, I spend most of my time and effort on Instagram. I'm Coach Casey Joe there. I tried the TikTok thing for a while. I, I got into it for a bit and then I haven't been back on in a, in a bit, a but I, if you want to find me there, <laughs> it really is. Uh, but if you want to find me there, I'm Coach Casey Joe there as well. Um, but otherwise, if you want to learn more about like my programs, offerings, I often do like free workshops and I have actually have like a free five-day self-sabotage workshop that actually might be great for folks um, to kind of go through and dive into these topics more. You can find all of that at kjocoaching.com. So you can kind of poke around there and it'll be there for you. Incredible. Casey, thank you so, so much. Everybody go give Casey a follow, check out her stuff. Obviously she is brilliant and eloquent and we are so thankful that you came and chatted with us today. Casey, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.